You know, Carrie hates watching movies with me most of the time. <laughs> oh. And the reason why she hates watching movies with me is the same reason some people don't watch movies with me is because I'm rarely surprised in the movie. I'll be over there mumbling to myself because I start watching a movie and I already know what's going to happen. I can already spell it out. And so Carrie is enthralled in this mystery and she'll go, and I'll go, you didn't know that? <laughs> well, this is, no, and so I've learned not to say this is fixing to happen because I, you know, I don't want to ruin it. But I, I'm, I don't know why, how my mind works. And Carrie hates it. Uh, there's very rarely a show or a movie that does that. We watched it one, one series back in the day that always kind of kept me guessing was Lost. So we love Lost. Because we can watch it together we both be surprised. But the main character, one of the main characters in our story today, probably felt a little like Carrie does in those movies by the time her encounter with Jesus was over. You know, there in the Gospel of John, we have our theological gospel, and we have an account there that isn't really found anywhere else, and it's a very important account of a woman who meets with Jesus. And in John 1, we have, you know, the theology of the gospel laid out that Jesus was from the beginning. And in John 2, we see the beginning of his ministry. In John 3, we have the famous passage that we call the gospel in a nutshell. And then, John chapter 4. And there we pick up this morning in verse 1. And it says, When Jesus knew that the Pharisees heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went again to Galilee. He had to travel through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It was about six in the evening. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Give me a drink, Jesus said to her, for his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink for me, a Samaritan woman? She asked him. For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God, and who was saying to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him, and he would give you living water. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket, and the well is deep. So where do you get this living water? You are greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. And Jesus said, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again, ever. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water, springing up within him for eternal life. And Sir, the woman said to him, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. Go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. I don't have a husband, she answered. You've correctly said I don't have a husband, Jesus said, for you've had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, yet you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus told her, believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. 
Yes, the Father wants such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. I am He, Jesus told her, the one speaking to you. Just then His disciples arrived, and they were amazed that He was talking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you want? Or, why are you talking with her? Then the woman left her water jar, went into the town, and told the man, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they left their town and made their way to him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as the best of the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We ask all these things in the name of your son Jesus and for his sake and all God's people say. It's one of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. This, this scandalous story. When Jewish readers would read this story, they probably thought it was a romance story. Because if you look at all the Old Testament, all the stories about wells and women at wells, they were romance stories. They were where the patriarchs met their wives. They were all these things happened. And so if you're a Jewish reader and you're reading John's Gospel, you're going, ooh, this is to get good. But Jesus is doing something different here because as we see here, if we know the background, sometimes we have to be unorthodox to bring others to Jesus. It says Jesus had to go through Samaria, but the truth is no good Jew ever had to go through Samaria. They would go around. They would find another way. I remember working at the store there that we had in Karen, and people would come through and they'd be like, how do you get to Poolville from here? And I would say, do you want the way that I would go, or do you want the way that you're going to find it? And those are your two options. Because one was the shortest route, and it was the one that I would take, but I knew it. The other one they would get lost on. My mom was that kind of person when she drove. <laughs> My mom one time bought me a truck in Bridgeport and got lost coming home. And she called me and she said, I don't know where I'm at. And I said, what do you mean you don't know where you're at? She said, well, I came to Bridgeport to buy this truck and I, I, I came home and I don't, I don't know where I'm going. And we got went through it and she took a right instead of a left. And so she went the wrong direction and she, she ended up somewhere she didn't need to be. My mom was that person who if I told her we were going somewhere, she would take the road that was completely well marked that she knew. She would go around. She would take the long way if it was the long way, knowing she could get there. That was the Jews in the time of Jesus. If you had to go somewhere, let's say Lipan is Judea, and you need to get somewhere which is Granbury, and Thorpe Spring is Samaria, I'm going to Tola if I'm a Jew. <laughs> because I don't go to Thorpe Spring because that's where the Samaritans Jesus went to this woman. The reason he went wasn't because, well, I had to go through there. The reason he had to be there was he had an appointment with a woman. He had an appointment with a woman who needed to know him. He needed to know about him. And so he went there and he did what was unorthodox. This was scandalous. I almost didn't to be scandalous, but words are important. And I didn't want us to go, 
That's not very scandalous. I didn't want us to all try to do scandalous things in order to get Jesus out there because that might get us in trouble. But we have to be unorthodox sometimes. But Jesus was unorthodox. He went and he said, okay, we're going to go through Samaria. We don't know what his disciples said. They were probably going, Jesus, are you sure? The Samaritans are there. You know. And he gets there and he stops at the well and they go to find some food. And while he's there, this woman shows up. It's a woman and Jesus. This is, a, this is scandalous. There's nobody else around. How often do we do unorthodox things to take Jesus to somebody? Jesus went where he wasn't supposed to go, according to culture, to meet someone that he knew he had to meet. And it didn't matter what anybody else thought. He was going to do it. And he went and he sat down at the well and waited. Sometimes we're afraid to knock on the door. Sometimes we're afraid to be somewhere that somebody might wonder what we're doing there. Well, why are they there? I know a man one time who had his reputation ruined in a small town because he saw a young woman in the middle of the country in a back road with her car broken down and he picked her up and gave her a ride to town. And somebody saw the young woman in the truck with him, and that's all it took. Because people talk about it. But he still did what was right and ministered to the young woman. Are we willing to be unorthodox to bring others to Jesus? Jesus was unorthodox here. This was a scandalous story. And so he comes and, and he says, Well, can I have a drink? Why was the woman there? This was the heat of the day. They didn't measure time like we measure time. So it's not like, not like she was there and, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's not like 6 o'clock in December 21st and, you know, it's already dark and dark for an hour and a half and it's snowing outside. This is 6 o'clock in the middle of August, or actually June 21st, the longest day of the year, which happens to be Charlotte's birthday. <laughs> and it's hot. And the sun's beating down. And she comes up carrying her water jug. And we're not talking about a little gallon of water. We're talking about a water jug. She comes to fill up the water jug for her household's daily needs. She has walked out there in the heat to come and get water. Why? Because she's trying to hide herself. She wants to hide who she is. She wants to hide her because she's talked about in that town. There's no doubt about it. She's talked about. She knows her reputation. And it's just easier to go to the well whenever it's hot by myself than to go to the well in the cool of the morning when all the other women are there. Because, well, women, if you didn't know it, could be kind of catty at times. I know, I'm just getting evil stares. But it's true. I mean, you know, you take a teenager, you know, you look, the drama in high school is with the teenage girls, right? Because boys, they'll punch each other and have it out, and they love each other two minutes later, and they're back to playing video games. Girls get hurt. And girls say things. This woman knows she lives in a small town. And she goes to the well in the heat of the day. Because if I go in the morning, they're going to look at me. They're going to collect their tongues. They're going to say things. You know, when we try to hide ourselves or hide our sin, we only bring discomfort on ourselves. She's having to carry that huge jug in the heat of the day 
Because she doesn't want to face them. She's trying to hide who she is and hide herself from everybody else because it's just easier on her. And so as long as I don't have to deal with what's going on in front of me, then I'm, I'm good. You know, when we start trying to hide our sin, it brings us comfort on us. You ever, you ever told a lot? <laughs> and then someone catches you in it so you tell another lie. And then the lies begin to snowball. And at some point, you can't remember which lie started this, but all these lies are here. And there's this balancing act. You know the guy who balances plates and spins plates? That's what you feel like, because you've got all these lies going on, and you're trying to hold all of them up. Because if one comes crashing down, it all comes crashing down, and it's uncomfortable. When we try to hide our sin, that's what it's like. We make ourselves uncomfortable. There's discomfort because we're going, well, if anybody finds this out, whew, I can't let them find this out. I can't let them see this. No, they can't know about no. And we're uncomfortable. We're walking to the well in the middle of the day with the sun beating down. All because we want to hide ourselves. And then Jesus tells her about this gift because she said, can I have a, he said, can I have a drink of water and she's like, she doesn't ever answer this question. She said, uh, I'm Samaritan, and you're a Jew. Why would you ask me for a drink? You're not going to use my utensil, are you? I'm sinful. And when you couple that with the fact that she's truly sinful, not only does she have the title of Samaritan and the sinfulness that goes along with that, she's simple in her life. And he says, well, if you knew the gift of God, you would ask me. It's amazing that the gift of God breaks down every barrier, isn't it? I mean, it does. There's, there's a Samaritan and a Jew together, and it doesn't matter. The funniest thing in our world today is all I keep hearing about is how everybody is so divided on all these weird issues, but the gift of God covers all of that. Some of my closest friends are not of the same race that I am. They're just not. Well, they are. They're all the human race. But they're family. And I can call up in an instant and we love on each other and we walk through pain together and we know these things and God bridges that gap. God takes care of that. His, his, his gift transcends physical need. He was sitting there asking her for a drink and she's all like, give me this water, please. I don't want to come back here. I don't want to come back to draw water in the heat of the day. I don't want to do this. Jesus, she said, you don't even have a bucket, God. I mean, can you imagine that woman? I, I can't imagine being her. I'm sitting there, and, and, and I, this guy just asked me for a drink of water. Can I have a drink? And I explained to him, well, that's not appropriate. And I should have to be explaining it to him. He should know this, because he's a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. But I had to explain it to him. He's a man. Um, and so, that's probably what she's thinking, right? And then he says... If you knew the gift and who it was who's speaking to you, you'd ask for me and I would give you a drink from the living water. And she went, <laughs> Sir, you ain't got a bucket. You can't draw water out of this well. You just asked me for a drink. Where are you going to get this living water at? Where are you, where's this going to come from? 
says, you know, anybody who drinks this water is going to get thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give will never be thirsty again ever. He said, give me this water. Give it to me. And then he says, go call your husband. What do you think that did to her in that minute? She was at the well at that time because she didn't want to discuss the fact that she didn't have a husband. That's why she was there. She was there at that time because she didn't want to deal with the fact that she had had five husbands and now she was living with a guy. That's why she was there. There's no other reason why she was there. That's why Jesus knew she was going to be there. He went there and he says to her when she asks for the gift, when she asks for this gift, he says, go get your husband. How often do we tell people to have the gift of God, all you have to do is ask? said, go get your husband. What did that do to her in that moment? I'm sure it gutted her. Because now she's thinking, great. Now we're back to this where I can't have anything. I'm not allowed anything unless I have my husband. I don't have a husband. And so I imagine she very timidly says, with tears in her eyes, I, I, don't, I don't have her. And then Jesus says, you're right. You don't. You know, unless we confess our sins, there can be no change. What Jesus did there was bring her to the point of confession, right? He brought her to the point of confrontation of her sin. He brought her to the point to realize where her life was and how broken it was. Up until this point, she has been looking for a way to change the life she's living now. I don't want to have to come do this anymore. My life may be horrible, but if I can get this one thing to stop, it'll be better. You ever been there? If I can just get this one bill paid, life will be better. If I can just lose this 20 pounds, life will be better. If I can just get the car that I want, life will be better. If I can just get past this one trial, life will be better. Have you ever been there? I mean, that's something I think we all deal with. When we get to that point where if I can just, if I can just, if I can just... And she's thinking, if I can just not have to come here to get water anymore, I don't care how bad the rest of my life is, this will be better. She's not wanting salvation from the trap that she's in. She's wanting salvation to go wallow in the trap that she's in. She's wanting salvation just from this one aspect. And Jesus wants to give her freedom. He wants to give it all. And all she had to do was confess her sins and say, I don't have one. Until we get to the point where we can confess our sin, there can be no change. And it doesn't matter if we're talking salvation or if we're talking sanctification. Both of them both applies to both. If I can't confess my sins to Jesus in the beginning, I cannot be saved. Coming down the aisle and just saying a prayer and saying, Jesus, be the Lord of my life and not meaning it and not confessing the fact that you're a sinner is not going to get you saved. You have to confess your sins. You have to confess the fact that you have done wrong and you were doing wrong and you'll continue to do wrong. But the same goes for the rest of our lives. 
often does the Bible say to confess your sins? Confess your sins one to another. Confess your sins. And you're going, Brother Troy, but why? If Jesus came to give me eternal life, and he died on the cross for all my sins, and I accept him, he covers my sins, why do I keep confessing them? Because confession keeps us humble. It keeps us in the acknowledgement that we need Jesus. Because if we don't confess, it gets easy to start thinking, well, I made it. I made it. I met a guy once, uh, a guy, I met a pastor once who told me he didn't sin anymore. I said, you lie. <laughs> he looked at me and I said, son, you're never going to quit sinning this side of heaven. It's always going to be there. You may be better than you were yesterday, but you're never going to be as good as you will be when you get there. It's not going to happen. And he looked at me, because of course I'm 23 years old, and he's 70-something, and I'm like, I'm sorry you feel that way, but it's the truth. It's what my Bible says. The truth is, we have to continually confess our sins. Unless we confess our sins, there's no change. If we're going to God saying, God, I need you to do this in my life, and we continue to ask you for this, and nothing's happening, maybe it's not happening because you're not confessing Maybe it's not happening because you're not saying, God, I need your forgiveness each and every day. I need you to forgive me of this. We don't remember all our sins most of the time. And some of you may be going, well, no, when you sin, you know it. Sometimes you don't. Yeah. You ever been driving down the road and you look down at your speedometer and go, go on, speed! And you have to pull off. Sin happens like that. You look up and you go, did I, did I really do that? You know, you know man, um, sometimes we, you know, we're put in an impossible position sometimes. Because she'll walk out and she'll say, does this dress make me look fat? No, sweetie, the dress does not make you look fat. I'm not, what are you saying there? I mean, that's a trick question. But when you do that, you find yourself sometimes doing something you, you've lied sometimes. Or maybe it's, maybe it's some other question. And we find ourselves giving an answer we never thought we would give. You ever been driving down the road and you see the Christmas lights in your back window and you get pulled over? And the cop walks up. Do you know why I pulled you over? No, officer. I was going 95 and a 50, but I have no idea why you pulled me over. <laughs> and it just happens naturally sometimes. Or the little things, the thoughts that we have in the middle of the day that may be sin. We confess our sins, not just as individuals. If you remember them, that's great. But if you don't, just say, Jesus, I failed you today. I failed you. I need you to forgive me for the times that I failed you. But Jesus in this, it's amazing to me because he looks at her and he, and, he, and he talks to her and he gives her a message. You know, God sees our worth. When he looks at us, he sees our worth. He doesn't look at us and see just our sinfulness. He sees our possibilities. He sees what can happen. He sees what can be there. You know, there's in Arkansas, there's the Crater of Diamonds Park, right? Where you can go and you can mine for diamonds. And sometimes people find diamonds. 
And you look at them and you go, that's a rock. But then the jeweler takes that rock and he begins to chip away at it and he begins to polish it up and it changes the entire look of it. And it makes it something that's valuable. Something that makes you go, wow. When God looks at us, that's what he sees. He sees that diamond in the rough. And he entrusts her with a message. He tells her that there's a time coming and it's here when God's worshipers are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. Not on a mountain, not in a city. They're going to worship him wherever he is, wherever you are, in spirit and in truth. And the time is here. And she goes, well, I know that the Messiah is supposed to come. And he said, yep, I'm here. He gives her a message. He took this woman who's very sinful in society's eyes. He's, she's sinful in Jewish eyes. She's sinful in cultural eyes. And he takes her and he uplifts her and he gives her this message. He gives her this goal. He takes and he transforms her life. And he says, okay, here's who I am. And then the disciples show up. I can't imagine what they were saying to each other. What's he talking He's talking to her. He, he's, whoo, what's going on here? They don't say anything out loud because, you know. <laughs> and then the jar, the woman leaves. And leaves her water jar behind. You know, at the counter with Jesus removes our burden. She left her water jar. She came there to get water. That was the only reason she was there. Was to get water. And she chastised Jesus because he didn't have a bucket. And then she leaves the very treasure she came for sitting there by the well to go tell people the message that Jesus has just told her. Man, when Jesus comes into our lives, he takes those burdens away. We don't have to worry about that anymore. That, that becomes second. That becomes something, yeah, I need water to survive, but this is important. This is important. I, I need to tell someone about this. I need someone to know this. I, that, that, I, I'm going, oh. Ever been there, man, where, where Jesus has just done something and you're like, I got to tell everybody. 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 I laugh at Shallow in the mornings when we drop him off. Miss Heaviside probably knows more of our life than anybody in the world. Because he is coming up with the things he's going to say to her as he gets out the door all the way to school. And the door opens and before he ever steps out, he is telling her something about Mario, about us, about Asher. About the van, about the car, about the church. Are we that excited to tell people about Jesus? He removes our burdens. He takes everything away. We don't have to carry that anymore. How often do we carry things we're supposed to carry? We walk around with it. And we put it on our back. And we just keep piling on. And we go, oh. And we just keep on walking with it. But Jesus takes that away. We're supposed to walk around with those burdens. We're supposed to walk around with all that sadness and depression. It's, Jesus takes that. He says, no. I came for you to have life. I came for you to be abundant in that life. I came to change everything. I came to transform 
your mission. Man, she says to the guys, she goes back to town and she looks at all these men who've been talking about her. Probably some of them who are ex-husbands or ex-lovers. And she says, there's a man at the well who's told me everything I've ever done. Could he be the Messiah? Could he be in? Could he be it? Could he be it? And she says, come and see. Come and see. Just come and look. Man. Maybe this morning you have been carrying a burden you don't need to carry. Whatever the burden is. And I know this morning I'm preaching to myself more than I'm preaching to any of you. Because I like to carry burdens. I don't know why. It's a hobby of mine. I mean, it's like I just want to pile them on and walk with them. I don't know why I do that. But I have a feeling there's somebody else here who can relate to that. It's not really my responsibility, but by golly, I'm going to carry it. So they don't have to. Maybe today you've been carrying a burden and it's been weighing you down and you just don't know if you can handle it anymore. Let it go. Jesus takes that burden. He wants you to walk in freedom. He wants to transform your mission. He wants to make you go and share. He wants to show you that your life is not, you are not defined by the life you have lived. You are defined by the life that you can live. You are defined by whose you are, not by who you are. And that's what he wants you to know this morning. Maybe this morning, you've been trying to hide stuff. You've just been trying to hide it everywhere. We watched that movie the other day, Heavyweights. Have you seen that movie? It's a movie about Fat Camp. In fact, yeah, I watched those Fat Camp movies. Um, we watched it, and what they did was they went into the cabins, and the guy started searching. They hit them in their bedposts. They had sweets and snacks everywhere. They were trying to hide everything. He brought in like a dog to sniff them out to find where this stuff was. He wanted to know where all this stuff was hidden. Maybe you've been hiding stuff. Maybe you've been taking things and shoving them in pockets and shoving them in bed frames and shoving them everywhere so that nobody will know about it. And God wants you to take that and rip it out and say, here I am, God. And he wants you to confess it and say, I'm done, Jesus. It's yours. Please take it from me. Maybe that's today. Because until we confess our sins, there's not going to be a change. You can pray for change and pray for change and pray for change, but if you're not willing to say, God, take this from me and help me to change, you ain't going to change. Maybe this morning. You want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to turn missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church of membership. Maybe this morning, maybe you've never known Jesus. Maybe you have sat in church your entire life and you've never accepted Jesus. Maybe you've first time in the church doors and you've never accepted Jesus. And something this morning is saying to you, I need to know him. Just walk the aisles of Brother Troy. I want to know him and we will go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever your need, give it to him. Would you pray for me? Father God, we come to you right now. We thank you. We praise you for your blessings.